I'm deaf. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, February 19th. Um, when the show first came up on, I didn't realize I had my headset headset all the way up. So all the way up to 11. I'm going to be deaf for the first couple minutes here. Um, again, we are live streaming on YouTube as well. So if you are listening to the show, thank you very much. But go to YouTube, jump on there, watch the live feed, um, let Mad Men know that you're there by ringing the little notification bell, and he'll yell out to us so we can yell out to you. See how yeah, you I'm, watch, I'm watching the chat. So you, uh, you yell to us, we yell to you. Yeah, we'll give you a shout out. Right. Uh, so I am your host, Randall. I got my partners in crime, as always. Tommy. Anus. And Mad Men working the boards. Hello. Um, how is everybody doing? Everybody's, I'm good. Yeah, good. doing all right. Good weekend? All right. <clears throat> uh, uh, Mad Men, I realize we didn't test a cam for the show and tell, so there'll be a little uh, try and error. Oh, oh, we're numbers. ready. All right, cool. All right, so let's get right into the news stories. Um, I apologize, guys. Um, out there, this one actually broke Monday, um, and it's only going until tomorrow, so you've only got till today and, and tomorrow to get this. But Chris Evans um, on Twitter uh, tweeted that they are a promotion of a auctioning of a screen used Captain America shield. Um, it's being done for charity, um, for the proceeds to go to Girl Powerful, which is a youth empowerment program designed to give female youth the tools to build a strong sense of self which in this day and age, we need a lot more of that. Uh, so you have until Thursday at midnight. Go to um, spotfund.com to make a bid. Um, this is one of those things where the amount that you bid gets you a certain number of um, entries. So like for $10, you get 100 entries. And for like, you know, $1,000, you get 50,000 entries. Um, I think if you can afford $1,000 for... Uh, a shield for a spot fund, you could probably just buy the thing buy out, right? I don't know. I bet you that shield probably goes for a pretty penny since it was used in the movie. Right. It is going to be screen used. Yeah, it's probably going to be more than $1,000. And it's also going to be signed by the head of, I guess, MCU props, who I can't remember because, uh, unfortunately... But how long I, is that signature going to last on that shield? I mean, come on. Well, if you do like most collectors and hang it on a wall and don't mess with it forever... Oh, come on. If, if I have Captain America, Captain America shield, I'm throwing it. Right. If you got in the backyard and play with it, I've got to figure months. If I have Captain America shield, I'm going to figure out how to <laughs> yeah. bounce it off There's things. There's no point in bidding on it unless you're going right. to play with no, it. Right. No, no. Yeah. That, that is a toy, and I'm going to play with it. So, no, that, trivia mm. question. Do you remember when um, Captain America got shot after Civil War? Mm -hmm. Do you know who got the shield? In, who in, Marvel actually gave the shield to? Not in the comics, real life. No, I don't. Um, I do believe it was Stephen Colbert. There you go. In fact, uh, for the longest time on his show on Comedy Central, he had it hanging up. Right. Oh. He, it might be on the set of The Late Show now. Right. Yes. The he, Colbert Report. But yeah, he's actually a huge comic book fan, and so he got the, uh, the shield. You know, it doesn't surprise me that he's a huge comic book fan. I'm not shocked by that. Some people, when you hear that they're comic book fans, you're kind of surprised. But for Stephen Colbert, not so much. I, I think he's even admitted that he plays D&D. &D, so. Oh, that doesn't surprise yeah. me either. Yeah. Vin Diesel's a D&D &D player. He's one of those guys that uh, you have to that you want to find and invite to your house to play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so other news from Marvel: uh, Joe Casada, I guess uh, Tuesday, also did a tweet for some uncolored um, comic book art that he did, and I guess he made this phrase about back in the saddle, and he showed some unfinished art, or yeah, some unfinished panels. So I guess he's going to be doing some illustration for a Marvel project. Okay, which is good because I he's, can get on board with that. He's managed to screw up Marvel. Sorry. I didn't, God, I gotta quit. I gotta quit distant Marvel. I, I, I'm sorry. It's just—is it just me? But I don't. I, well, I said last week that my my pull list is is you know not, there's not a lot of Marvel on it. So right, there's I mean, nothing wrong with hating Marvel. Yeah, 
Well, I wouldn't say I hate them. There's I'm all not, about hating them. <laughs> there's not a lot that I'm super interested in that they do. So, yeah. so different this, strokes. Uh, another piece of news, and I gotta admit, um, I'm really kind of upset with DC about this one. Um, in my notes, I've actually entitled this "Language Guys." DC loses their balls. Uh, mm. um, I don't know if you read what's happening now in Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy 6. I have not been reading it, no. So, I haven't been reading it either. Um, but one of the things with Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy for the last few years is they've always hinted at them having a relationship yeah. and being more than friends. Right. Um, and it's in everything. I mean, even in Batman the Animated Series, yeah. there was yeah. a hint at it. There was several hints at it in all the previous um, series um, and other storylines. There's, I think, even a couple of things where Supergirl asked Harley Quinn if her and Ivy are friends, and she's like, are you and Batgirl friends? And they just kind of dropped it and left it mm-hmm. there. So it's always been kind of assumed that there's a relationship there. Right. Um, and I kind of liked the fact that uh, when it came to portraying gay characters, they took two established characters that have been around for years and said, you know what, let's just put them together. They'd never really shown it. I think there's actually been a... Um, some of the other DC series where you they actually are a couple, like alternate universe thing. But apparently... Now, yeah, has, has Ivy always been portrayed as, as, as a lesbian? or No. 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 It's, that, only, that was it's with, only when Harley Quinn came around. Only when Harley Quinn came around. So okay. only within, since probably, not even since uh, 2000, because the first Harley Quinn series was 2000. So mm-hmm. probably um, as early as maybe 2010, I would want to say. Okay. Uh, but anyway, where I'm going with this is um, with the miniseries um, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, Apparently, Lex Luthor um, gave some weird fertilizer to Poison Ivy. I know, right? Fertilizer that made clones of her. And only two of the clones have survived. So Harley and Ivy have been chasing down these clones. Mm -hmm. One's been with Harley the whole time. The other one's kind of like crazy off the rails trying to kill them. So Ivy is now going to go take out this last clone. And Harley's basically saying they're crying, you know, about, you know, you're going to, you'll be hurt. You know, I can't help you type of thing. And so... At the end of it, when she's getting ready to say goodbye, Ivy just leans in and like grabs her and gives her a kiss on the forehead. And then that's how it ends. So they basically just pumped the brakes and backed off the entire relationship with the two of them. Which, I, I don't know, why would you build this up for so many years uh, and mm. just decide to get cold feet and back off of it? Yeah, because they, they certainly uh, poured fuel on the fire, so to speak, with, with it over the years because I think the first time it really they really like really hinted at it was during Batman animated series in the late nineties. Uh, there was a, um, part of the third season when they, uh, introduced the, uh, Tim Drake Rob, the composite character of Tim Drake and, um, Jason Todd Robin. And there was a, uh, two part episode that dealt with, it was called holiday nights. Right. There was a one where Batman and Robin went up against the judge. It was three, it was three cartoons. While um, Montoya and Bullock went up against Clayface, Batman went up against Harley and um, Poison Ivy, and Batman and Robin went up against Joker. And in that one, and in that one with Harley and uh, Poison Ivy, it was, it was they did everything but come right out and say it, right. so to speak. And that's one of the ones that I'm remembering is right. that depending on which story and even which animated. There's this little innocent flirtation that maybe they are, maybe they aren't, and there right. are other stories like, oh no, they are. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you know, here's the thing: I would, I would say that it probably should have ended with, with them, you know, like a kiss on the lips. But I don't necessarily think a kiss on the forehead is a cop out. I kiss my wife on the forehead. You know, I think you know it, it, it can be sweet and innocent. Uh, and Lou in the chat says uh, DC is afraid of the backlash. 
Oh, you I, think? I, absolutely. I would say say that as well. But here's Lou. Here's here's the thing about that. The backlash should have hit years ago when they first started hinting that they were a couple. And the thing is, you know, we we we've talked about Marvel. Marvel would have done it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'll give Marvel props on that. Marvel would have done it. Marvel what in the world is DC so afraid of? They didn't have any problem uh, outing Pied Piper yeah. in the pages of the Flash. And, but how many years? That was God, that was late eighties, wasn't it? Um, that was or, or it, early actually 90s. it was the early nineties. Okay, it, it was it was that came right on the heels of uh, the Flash TV series, and right after Wally got back to full power after the Kilgore storyline. I'll tell you why they didn't worry about outing Pied Piper. Because in that issue, because I remember this distinctly, um, they're talking about AIDS. And yeah, yeah. Pied Piper makes a comment about, you know, well, we're only talking about the end of the world, right? And as he's saying that, mm -hmm. as he's just out himself, there's graffiti on the wall behind him, and one of them's a skull. Right. Um, and so I distinctly remember that issue, because I remember when they revealed Pied Piper as gay, mm -hmm. I was like, wow. As if that explains why they, and, and I hate to say it, why they stereotyped his the way his character looked uh -huh. up to that point. Right. The thing I remember about Pied Piper, um, speaking, since you were bringing up uh, Poison Ivy, do you remember in, I think it was in 52, when she was talking about, it may have been, or it may have been in Pages of Flash, I don't know, but she was talking about how her pheromone powers, about how they didn't work on him and she couldn't figure out why. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And also uh, probably wouldn't have worked on Obsidian. That's So it just right. upsets me. They... They seem to be backing off all their, their gay characters, and that's just wrong. Because they're strong characters. Right. So Yeah, we haven't seen Obsidian for a while, no. have we? And, and I noticed after they introduced um, the new Alan Scott, New 52, and that fan reaction went over like a lead balloon. They backed off of that real fast, oh, yeah. too. Well, see, the thing of it is, it's kind of like... I know he's not one of the very popular right now, but I think this is the best analogy I can think of. There was an episode of the Cosby Show where Vanessa brought home her boyfriend, and Dr. Hustle told him why they didn't like him. He said, now, if uh, I want you to think of the best thing you could figure, that you can imagine, to, to bake potato and what have you. He said, now, imagine if that, was, if that was served to you on the lid of a garbage can. Would you eat it? He said no. He said that's how you were brought to us, and I think that that analogy applies to how the, how they handled the, the how they handled that because I and I'm going to be man enough to admit I was one of them who raised hell about it before I um, actually read and realized that this was not. The Alan Scott that the three of the four of us grew up with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That it was completely it wasn't different a bad Alan series. Scott. I started reading that series but, and it wasn't a bad Earth series. Earth Two was not a bad series. No, I was I a big fan that. of the Mr. Miracle that came in there and the um whoever did the art on Doctor Fate, that was some of the most beautiful art I've ever seen in my life. I think it was Nicola Scott who did that. But I mean, it, it, it's it, it's like this. My thing is if you're, what's the need of testing the water if you're not going to go in and take the plunge? Absolutely, and that's what I thought they did with Harley and, and, and or Poison Ivy. It's like, and, and and it's like it's also if you really think about it, it's insulting to the fans because everybody's seeing what is obvious, and DC is just like, right. oh well, we as fans accepted they were yeah, together. Yeah, it was nobody had a problem with. Well, it. and when you consider how long this has been going on, I mean, this isn't something I mean, that they just. We're talking about 1997. This when is I, like did this give you an example? Year. 1997 was when the Hollywood Knights came out. Right. 
on on on, bat, on that Batman animated series. I didn't hear anybody say a damn thing about that then. Yeah. So anyway, fail DC. Um, this news I'm actually excited about. Valiant Comics has announced a new Shadow Man comic oh. uh, by Cullen Bunn and artist John Davis Hunt. The original Valiant that was out, Salmon was one of my favorite characters. The guy that played saxophone out in New Orleans. Right. Now, obviously, this is not the same guy because uh, they revamped the character. But they're doing more of a, a supernatural thriller with this one. Um, they're introduced to some type of uh, supernatural concept called The Blight. Um, I think it's going to be like a six-issue miniseries. Um, it's going to be had long-lasting effects on the Valiant Universe coming out right. on May 20th. Just in time for my birthday. Look at that. <laughs> there you go. So I, I will buy you a copy of Shadow Man number one I, for your I, birthday. I'm actually there excited for that. Shadow Man was always one of the better characters out of Valiant, so I'm excited to see that character come back. Uh, Tommy, we got bad news this week. Yeah, we did. Supergirl is coming to a close with issue 42. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, which I like is that, is, pretty that series. Stupid because I, that series I thought was going really yeah, good. I thought it was too. I, I thought it was great. I jumped on that... God, when was it, 21, 22? Right after the whole Brian Michael Bendis introduced um, Rogel Czar mm -hmm. and that he purposely destroyed That's Krypton. what I came on, too. I came on based on your recommendation. For, for you guys who haven't read that, go pick those trades up because Brian Michael Bendis tells that story where we find out that Krypton didn't explode, you know, by natural um, occurrences. Rogel Czar went into the heart of Krypton, made it explode. Supergirl right. finds out about this guy, finds out that he's actually still alive and out there, and she goes after him. So that was really, I mean, it was a great run. Uh, unfortunately, I think, because I got a new creative team in December with issue 37, Jody Hauser and, and Rachel, uh, Rachel Scott, Slot. So I think maybe the sales might have took a hit. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I thought, I, mean, I thought it was still going pretty strong. I was enjoying it. I mean, I, right. I don't know. I mean, I'm one guy, so, you know. Well, and you know, so here's the thing. Uh, the current series... She's been infected by the whole thing with the Batman, Batman who laughs, laughs and, right, and right. the whole infected. So I'm thinking after that series ends, because I read somewhere there's supposed to be a death of a character, mm -hmm. I'm thinking we're going to get the new volume. It's going to start off with a new number one. Because, oh. you know... I don't think DC's going to do that. They're not going to reboot to number one. They don't have that Marvel-type reputation. Well, they don't have... Um, they don't have enough of a following for Supergirl to actually do the whole 80th anniversary thing, and plus she just doesn't have 80 years on her, and they're not going to yeah. go back right. to legacy numbering. But I can see another series coming. Um, bad news, those of you out there who are actually following that Spider-Man series by J.J. Abrams, and no, I gave up after good. issue two. So I, I gave don't up know after who, issue one. Yeah. So I don't know who's still reading it. The last two issues have been postponed. Um, apparently, number four was pushed back from December 4th to February 19th, which was today. And obviously, if you went to the shop, you didn't see it on the rack. Now it's pushed back to April 8th. Um, and I'm betting by the time April 8th comes along, that'll be pushed back again. Yes, that was Tommy, Madman. Holy cow. <laughs> That's just my tummy? Great. Yeah. These are really good mics. <laughs> that was just my tummy. <laughs> Man, I wonder if the podcast picked that up. <laughs> sometimes, so, he, sometimes he likes to come up and say For those that. of you who didn't hear that, Tommy's stomach growled, and our mics picked that up to the point that Madman looked around, his computer went, what does look like, what the hell was that? <laughs> we were here last week, and it, and it growled, and I looked around and said, what was that? All right, so those are the news items that I pulled up that made me go, who I was actually... I spent a good 10 minutes at home bitching about the Harley Quinn <laughs> poison. <laughs> <laughs> I bet your wife really enjoyed that. She was yeah, asleep. She certainly cares. Oh. 
But I was so. What like, were you complaining to her while she was asleep? No, I was. Just, listen to this. I was. I was just down in a man cave, going, "Are you serious with this? What ah, the ah, hell?" Were you fussing to the dog? No, Josie was upstairs asleep too. Oh, she was asleep too. So nobody was listening. Right. To it was just me being the. the well, I don't want to say the Ravens have been mad then because he's Pat Madman's got that copyrighted now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Usually I fuss about my comics to my dog, Clyde. Right. Yeah, Clyde. Clyde's a good listener. I might have been. Actually, actually, I do believe I was in my game at the time and I was raving to some of the messages about it. Uh, all right, so you guys have any news items? Oh, yes. Yes, he does. I got something. And it has to do with your favorite writer. Tom King. The great Tom King. The great King. Tom, the great King. Tom King. That is how he is referred to on this show. Well, know. folks, if you read the Mr. Miracle miniseries, which was probably one of the best that was ever done on the character, real uh, total respect to him and Big Bart, and it, unlike anything you ever read, uh, one of the highlights of that uh, of that story was the birth of their of his of Scott and Bart's son Jack. Well, Tom Tom has now uh, hinted at the possible arrival of another child, courtesy of two iconic DC characters. Is this the uh, Cat in the Bat series he's doing? And, and that it is. Uh, but this but this particular story where it's um is alluding to is going to be part of the 80th anniversary of Catwoman, a special story that's being done. If I'm reading this correctly. But uh, Tom King tweeted today, have had a loving image of Catwoman and Batman embracing on a Gotham City gargoyle. And uh, it says, all signs point to this image being art for Eva King's upcoming Batman Catwoman series, build as the final cap on his Batman story, or, or from King's story in the upcoming Catwoman 80th anniversary special. So it's going to be one of those two areas where it's going to uh, come up. And... Uh, I still say, after reading his last issue, I think Catwoman and Batman are married. They just didn't go through with no ceremony. Because she suddenly got that ring on her finger, and now the possibility of her being pregnant, and I'm dying to see what the dynamic's going to be with uh, the baby having big brothers, such as uh, uh, Dick Grayson. I ain't calling them Rick. I always hated Dick, but now, <laughs> but but now they calling him other things. Other than Dick, it just Dick. don't sound right. Uh, right. Jason, Tim, and Damien, especially so, Damien. So when little Randy comes into the world, <laughs> that they're gonna look after him. So here's the thing: it's funny that you that you just read this because number one, the the Batman Pennyworth Rest in Peace just came out, right? Um, with as Rick Grayson. Um, Catwoman is noticeably absent from the Batman family in that. Right. Um, I'm actually still reading the Catwoman series. I don't know if you two guys are. I am, yes. Um, did you just read the last issue? I don't think I have. I think anyway, I'm well, you know, in the whole storyline, she's been having this fight with Raina Creel and mm -hmm. her little drugs and her little zombies. The last issue did actually say to be concluded, which I think they're going to wrap that series up just in time for the Bat and the Cat series. Um, so we might find out. There might be a hint of her being pregnant in that last issue. Right. But, which is supposed to drop, I guess, probably next month. Is that a bi-month, a bi-weekly? I can't remember. I think it's so. All right, don't quote me on that. So that is, that's actually interesting because that would happen right with the, the ending of the Catwoman series. Because I'm willing to bet Catwoman's going to end after that last issue. With I, a, I'm willing to bet that the Penguin 
crashes their gender reveal party. No, because Penguin is a major player in this new story in Batman. Yes, he is. Big time. I'm not reading we, it. I'm just saying how I'm we know it's it. gonna. We know the, the, the child is going to be male. Little Randy Wayne. <laughs> God, I hate you. <laughs> he's, already, he's, he's already talked to Tom and said, Tom, I need you to name this baby after me. So you know what? Randy Lewis so I Wayne. Tell you, I tell you what. <laughs> If we get AwesomeCon passes and we go to AwesomeCon, you're going to have to personally go to his table and tell him that you give me shit. <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> we will, oh, when is that? Because I won't be there to May, see that. That's, that's May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Oh, boy. Obviously, we won't be at 2nd because that's uh, right. free well, comic book day. But right. do first and the 3rd. All right. So, do you have you got any more news? Uh, ba- uh, Batman 89 is sold out. Well, and that just dropped today. Here's what's just crazy. Dropped today, already Here's sold what's out. Crazy about that. I've heard it's going for like twenty to thirty dollars online it's, already. It's the first appearance of Punchline, and it's not even the first appearance. It's a cameo at the end. People, of it. you see her jaw, and it's, and her actual first full appearance is going to be in the Hell Arisen um, issue number three, which I think comes out next week. Don't pay thirty dollars for a jaw, people. I well, swear. The, it, the question is, which is better, Hulk, Incredible Hulk, one eighty or one eighty one? Right, exactly. Which is better. I, and I was telling Tommy, this is the exact same thing. It's the Hulk 180, 181 thing all over again. Um, but And we covered this, I think, just last week in our news, um, that DC even said that Batman 89 and Year of the Villain, Hell Rosa number three, were already going to Second Prince and they hadn't even hit the shelf. Because so, Diamond had told me. I actually, I wanted to get a Batman eighty nine because I've started reading Batman and I've been, been enjoying it. I mean, I haven't oh, really yeah. cared about. I haven't really cared about the uh, the whole you know new character making a first appearance. But I'll have to get a second printing because I'm not going right. to pay that kind of money. Well, for what Tinian's doing with that is just, is already just really oh yeah scaling yeah I've like I've liked it and and again Tinian's I'm not paying twenty it. to thirty dollars for could, a job. I can tell you what if you haven't been reading Batman, did Tinian take over in eighty six? I think it was either yeah. eighty five or eighty six. If you haven't been reading it, go to the comic shop now. Go, 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 go tomorrow morning. Yeah. Because when everybody starts reading '89, all the back issues that were on the comic shelf are going to be gone. Yes, sir. So get it now. It's good stuff. Wait, it's good wait, stuff. Wait till after our show to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Wait till after we're done here. Well, or, well be smart. Take. This Actually, you know what? You can listen. You know what? It, it's it's seven <laughs> minutes to seven, so most comic shops are probably closed. So, so just, yeah. All right. So we're running along. Let's talk about new releases. Um, DC, Tommy, I don't know if you saw this was coming out or if you've gotten it. Uh, Deceased Unkillables number one. I, I knew it was coming out. I did not know it was coming out yet, but I will be on board for that. I, I didn't bring mine with me. There's like very covers. I got the Wonder Woman cover. Mm-hmm. It is beautiful. Nice. Um, it's just basically, it's like her tiara at the bottom of it, and all you see are her eyes with like blood splattered on it. Oh, nice. And you can tell it's got to be just moments after she's killed Cyborg. Mm. Oh, spoiler alert. There it is. Um, Flash forward number six. Yeah, that that is a beautiful cover. That is a beautiful one. Um, flash forward number six came out today, which is the final issue of that storyline. Um, and I believe this is where Wally is now going to get the powers of Doctor Manhattan. Right. Um, which I don't know is if I like that. Kind of weird, considering that free comic book day is when we're going to get that issue where we just see the new Wally, and that's not for a couple of months. So I don't know, right. three months at least. So I don't know why they're going with that route already. Unless there's going to be, there's probably going to be some type of filler series or one shot in between now and Free Comic Book Day. There has to be. Yeah. Um, Plunge number one came out today, which is also part of the Hill comic storyline. If you haven't been reading those things, um, the Dollhouse Family, Basketful of Heads, Lolo Woods, Daffy Byrne, those are all really great. Um, Plunge number one is the newest in that line. 
Um, so, Tommy, this one you might actually like. I didn't know this one was coming out. I, and crap, I forgot to go look for it myself. Damn it. Um, 2020 Machine Man number one by Marvel. Wow. So, Machine Man was always one of those really kind of interesting characters. Um, too bad to just couldn't ever find a writer that knew what to do with him. Um, and then, what was it, 2001 Space Odyssey, where we yeah. first saw Machine Man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where he comes from. Marvel Kirby. Voices number one. I forgot what this was, but I know we covered it. Uh, I think it's just like that DC's Young Animals. It's a uh, new talent, kind of spotlight type of thing. And then Wolverine number one. I remember and we mentioned mentioned a while back that it's been a while since we've seen Wolverine in a series, and that has dropped today, too. Uh, yeah, I was looking up that on, um, on my comic shot com and everything like that and all those variants oh so many oh variants. yes variants 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 all right so before we get to the show and tell enos who brought them to show this week flashback comics on hipster we lost the card but i got the address and memory okay hold right. tight well madman why don't you tell the okay who brought us to show Lost in the Long Box is brought to you by Flashback Comics. Flashback Comics is based out of Woodbridge, Virginia. They are located at 3112 PS Business Drive, just off Smoketown Road in Woodbridge. And they have tons of back issues, trade paperbacks, and everything you love about comic book statues and everything. Yeah. They got it all. You know what? When he reads that copy, I, I remember Gary Owens from like laughing. He needs to have his hand yeah. on his earpiece here as he's doing that. And we'll and we will come back to you, America. All right, show back, back to you, Randy. <laughs> show and tell. Favorite part of the show. All right, so remember a while back, I told you about the uh, the girl who worked at the little watch booth after the mall when I worked there was going through a divorce with her husband and just handed me a stack of Batman and detectives. Right, yes. right. We are back to showing those off. So here is where are we? This is one that she gave me in a... Detective, there you go, he's got it on there. Detective 468. The calculator. Oh, that's yeah. a menacing villain right there. Yes, but it's that's another a pretty one book, of those, though. Yeah. That's It's another one of those that's just a beautiful book. Like I said, everything that she gave me in that pile was just fantastic. Man, you hit the jackpot on yeah, that, dude. The calculator took out Green Arrow and Hawkman and well, the Atom. Green and, Arrow, I understand. It looks like Black Canary's <laughs> down there. Yep. How do you knock out Adam Man and not kill him? Or accidentally step on him if you guys are all fighting around there? Right. But as you can see, these I mean these books that she gave me. They're yeah, they're beautiful. Now this one does have autofocus on there. This one does have a little Nice elongated man. Oh Ralph Dibney. God, I wish they'd bring him back. Elongated man? Yes. Or you'd have to bring back Sue too. Yeah, they they, they, they need to, man. I was messed up with this. Sue Dibney's dead. Yeah, I know, yeah. but they're still just and messed up. And then out of Madman's collection... Their story ended very nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, when he's talking... You know, we should actually review, uh, revisit that story in an episode. This is page number 113. Another one of those 100-page spectaculars. I love this comic. Hold on a second. Oh, yeah. I used to see the advertisements for this when I was a kid because I loved the billing. Here comes TV's Super Friends. Yeah. And that's why I wanted it, just yeah. because of that. That's why I love this comic book. There's a lot going on on this cover. Yep. You know, you get a preview of all the stories you got inside mm-hmm. of it. All right, it's up to sixty cents now, so it's really cutting into the allowance money. You know. Yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Man, remember, it's still sixty cents for a. You comic used book. to have a dollar, and, and back then a dollar would get you four comics. Yeah, my allowance comics, is two dollars a week. 
Okay. And this one here, you had if you were getting this book, you had to decide, okay, what am I not getting this week? And then you had to look at that comic that you were leaving on the rack and hope that it didn't suddenly get popular and you came back and it was gone, you know? Yeah. And, and here's the thing about that. Uh, what's interesting is that, that splash there right next to the JLA symbol says three full-length novels. Right. That's bold. That's <laughs> <a> DC <laughs> to put on a cover that's only 100 pages long. Right. Three full-length novels? I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Man, man, you have stolen yeah, well, What I really loved about this era of DC, too, is yeah. I loved, like you said, when they did this, when they put all... You another an one that's really great for that is that old DC series, uh, Wanted, yeah, wanted yeah, had yeah. this little thing and yeah. the hundred page and also like the um, what was it four star spectacular four star superhero spectacular yeah those were good too and DC special yes. DC special yeah. yeah absolutely I love them because I mean at that era they're putting out these they like thicker comic books for a little bit more price you know I'm gonna try and find it for next week but I have the DC special that's the origin of the Justice Society all right with Joe Staten and Bob Layton doing the inks so Tommy I was gonna show this up last. Um, but yeah, Enos. But Enos is going to win Enos. this week. So Tommy, now Tommy Enos. has shown this before, uh, but he's bringing it back because it ties in with our subject. Amazing Spider-Man 194, the first appearance of the Black Cat, and it's a graded 8.5. It's so a pretty book. Slide it down. It's a pretty oh, book. Great book. Now the reason Tommy has brought this back in again is because the Black Cat was co-created by Keith Pollard. Who I was going to say, Keith Pollard do the art on that? Yes. Yeah. Who was going to be He did not do the cover, but he did the interior. He did, he did, he did the, the interior, interior art. Um, so he's on my list. He might be on your list. He's going to be one of the gentlemen we covered tonight on the African-American uh, traders and, and artists. All right, so that is a good book. Give that back to Tommy. Now, Enos, I, I will tell you, first off, I hate the fact that you still have this in a shitty bag and board. I'm going to bring you a MyLite uh, <laughs> and a board for this next week. This is Detective Comics 359. I want this so bad. I want this book so bad. This is the first appearance oh, of the wow. Barbara Gordon Batgirl. I will give you $10 for it. He's making a joke. Enos, um, this book, people, goes for no less than three figures now. Even in, in this condition, which is, and I'm sorry, this is not a great condition. Right. But, so um, they're still not telling the truth about the million-dollar debut. Right. Um, you can't find this book for under $100, and that's for, you know, a fair, good copy. Enos, what did you pay for this? A dollar and 45 cents. God, I hate him! And that's why I'm offering you 10 cents. <laughs> that, that is almost 10 times your money. Right. I mean, you will make a hefty profit. <laughs> now, in, uh, in Innocent's defense, he bought this before the character got really hot and everybody realized, it, before there was a lot of comic collectors after wanting all these gold yeah. and silver age books. But yeah, this is... I got lucky. Um, as I've talked about before, I bought this during my tenure at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base in Goldsboro, North Carolina. Um, before they moved out of the front gate, there used to be a comic book store called Tales Resold. And it was in a different area. I had to, someone would always drive me there. I didn't have a car at the time. But after they moved right outside the front gate, I could walk there and buy my comics. And I would go and clean up on some of these classics. And they were like dirt cheap. And now they'll, they'll sell for a gold mine now. 
Yeah, and you know what? The whole time after he bought that, whoever owned his shop was snickering when he walked out. He said, I just sold that kid a comic for a dollar forty-two, and I only had twenty-five cents on the car. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the around military bases, like there are comic book shops around there, you can find some really interesting stuff because people from all over the country, yeah, come around there, and every single collector who's in the military, you know, they'll come to that area and trade. With the local comic book right, shops right. and so forth. And so you might find something that you may not necessarily find now, where there, you're from. Now, the there was another time. store that opened that um, at Tales We Sold uh, sh uh, shut down. No, they didn't shut down. They were uh, up the road and across the street from them was called Heroes of Here. Man, they had a great selection of stuff in there. And that's where I picked up that. Remember that John Byrne, uh, that Captain America, Baron Blood? Mm -hmm. Yep. I picked that up from there. Yeah, that one with uh, Baron. Um, it's the cover of Baron Blood attacking Captain America. Yeah, that's a pretty sweet cover. Yeah. So I see. I was happy last year when I managed to finally snag a Batman 181. Right. But that one is still escaping my grasp. That I will have one. Yes. <laughs> right made you ask. <laughs> <laughs> right after my Pastor Walker ninety five offer has been made. Ten dollars, <laughs> man. Ten dollars. All right. So. Tonight's subject, um, February is, of course, um, African-American History Month, so we are going to talk about some of the unsung um, African-American creators in the comic book industry. Um, I have a couple of good ones. I'm going to start off with this one okay. because this one, has to, this one has to be talked about, and I think we covered it last time mm -hmm. we did this, but the man's important enough that you don't mention him every time, and, and that's Clarence Matthew Baker. Yes, sir. Um, he is actually the first known um, black comic artist, and we say known because it's very well possible that there were artists working in the industry who weren't getting credit. He was the first one to actually have his name in the credits. Um, so he worked during the Golden Age. Um, he was particularly known for his good girl art, uh, most particularly the Phantom Lady at Fox Studios um, or Fox Feature Syndicate. So here's what's interesting about Phantom Lady. Uh, so it was actually created by a gentleman named Arthur Petty, and it was originated uh, in 1941 in like quality comics by a company called Iger Studios. And then when they dropped it, she was, I think, in Police Comics issues 1 through 23 was, was where she first appeared. Iger Studios turned around and sold it to Fox Features, and that's when Matt Baker got a hold of it and gave her the iconic look that we all know now. So he was responsible for that little skimpy tight-fitting green outfit with the i mean let's be honest with the, the boobs hanging mm -hmm. out the that everybody knows um so not only is he the one who recreated or revamped that character made it popular but it is his cover phantom lady 17 that was prominently featured in the seduction of the innocent book by psychiatrist fred wortham and it was tastefully done that's what that's what so made he drew your holy grail book is what you're saying that's, yeah, that's, that's his holy grail. It's one of my grails. No one of the grails. I have this whole list of grails, and as I find one, I mark it off. And uh, last year, I was able to put a, a, a line through Patsy Walker 95. But what was above that was Tom <laughs> King's first work. It was that one that I talked about that you can get for like $5. This <laughs> is <laughs> Anyway, so not only did he do Phantom Lady um, and Phantom Lady 17, did you know he also was the artist on a, um, a graphic novel called It Rhymes With Lust? And that is widely considered to be the first graphic novel. Oh, wow. Right. And has actually paved the way for other graphic novels. And I didn't know this, um, Enos. He was inducted into the Will Eisner Hall of Fame in 2009. 
And you can actually, and now that I think about it, you can see his work um, influenced in the work of like Dave Stevens and Adam Hughes. Right, I was now, just going to bring up that uh, when you were talking about Phantom Lady, there was a drawing that Dave Stevens did for Who's Who in the DC Universe of Phantom Lady that was just absolutely phenomenal. He was an awesome talent that we lost too soon as well. Uh, but Matt Baker, if you're going to talk about comic book, African-American comic book, book artists, no matter how many spotlights you have, you have to mention him because right. he was the first. Absolutely. And, and his work was so, so ahead of its time. That, that, you know, and, and what, what sadly, we lost him at the age of 37 due to a heart attack. Oh, wow, that's so young. Can you imagine had he lived? The oh, end? what he would have done, yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's just, it's just that you can just only just wonder. Well, and it's funny because when I was going through my notes, his name was there, and I said, you know, I know we covered him on the last show, yeah. but he's important enough. He's yeah. got to be he has, he has to be in the conversation because 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 if it wasn't for him, there was no Dwayne McDuffie. There was no Dennis Cowan. Right. There was no um, um, someone I'm going to talk about, Olivier Coupiel. Well, actually, as a matter of fact, roll with it. Go. Okay. One of my, as many of you know, those people, those who know me, know that um, among my favorite characters are Batman, the Phantom, and the Mighty Thor. When they brought Thor back on the heels of, in the aftermath of Civil War, J. Michael Straczynski and African American, or should I say, French artist Olivier Copil, brought Thor back with a look that was unlike no other and that was also inspirational for the look that we see in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Chris Hemsworth with the chainmail. Mm -hmm. Because Thor always was bare armed with the big arms and everything. This time they made him look more like a knight in shining armor. They had the helmet and everything. It was everything that was Thor that we knew. But the chainmail gave him a kind of a nude look and a fresh appeal that um, you know, I've I found my I've I've said no, numerous times that who when Walter Simonson did the um did his run on Thor, he set the standard for if anyone else is gonna come behind him and do that character, it was gonna have to be top notch or wasn't gonna go. Right. And right. you can't get any better than J. Michael Straczynski, who most people know as the creator of the cult classic sci-fi series, Babylon 5. And Olivier Coupil, who got his start in Image, had the most beautiful artwork you would ever seen. And one of the, one of the top stories that was um, in that run was in the second issue when Thor virtually kicked Iron Man's butt and told him, if you ever use my do anything else like this in my name again, I'm not going to hold back. So that was the Straczynski uh, run not long after Civil War, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. That was a good run. That's right. That, and yeah. and Olivier Coupil still does some great Thor art. I'm not sure exactly what he's doing now, but House of M was where he really cut his teeth. And um, it's, it, I, I strongly suggest if you're going to get a run of Thor, in addition to Walter Simonson, I strongly recommend get the Straczynski-Copiel run as well. You will not be disappointed. No, you won't. That was a good run. 
I may have to look that up. I've never been a big Thor fan. Right. So I might actually pick that one. That up. was a, it. Was a good run. Oh, good run. Good run. I, great I, art. Great story. It was so good. I bought two versions of a uh, of a hardcover. Because they have, there was one with the Olivier Coupiel cover. There was another one with a Michael Turner cover. Oh, okay, gotcha. Well, you know, with all due respect to your boy, you got to go with the Turner cover. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love me some Michael Turner. That's someone that's taken from us way too soon, too. Oh, man, yes. Not, not, not tonight's subject. That's a subject for another right. time. But, you know, definitely someone that was taken to us way too soon. Okay. I think he also did the, um, the, the New Girl in Town storyline of Superman Batman when... Michael the whole, Turner did. Yes, he did. When they brought back Superman, Superman and, Supergirl. and Doc, Dark Side immediately takes her, and that's a great story too. All right, di- yeah, digress. yeah, we're digressing. Those Tommy, who you got? We can talk about Michael Turner all night. So uh, Keith Pollard, um, we showed him off earlier with his uh, with with my uh, Amazing Spider-Man there, um, one ninety four with his contributions with the Black Cat there. Um, he made his professional comic debut in seventy four on titles such as uh, Master Kung Fu, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, Astonishing Tales, Black Goliath. Uh, he did a good, had a good run on Amazing Spider-Man from 186 through 205. You know, that was a great era for Spider-Man, too. Not just for, like, um, you know, the Black Cat. It was just a, a really great time for, for Spider-Man. Um, he did the backup feature at Amazing Spider-Man Annual 15. And, you know, we mentioned earlier with Marv Wolfman brought in, gave us the Black Cat. Um, they were also the creative team in both Fantastic Four number 200 and Amazing Spider-Man number 200. So that's... Two pretty big milestone issues. Uh, regular penciler for Thor. Yeah, see, here's his big run. <laughs> two, from two, uh, 286 to 320. That's a, that is a pretty massive run. Wow, that was like 17 issues before um, Simonson took over. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and that's a huge run, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, he had um, several years. Well, now, hang on. He was penciling it. Who was the author? Who, uh, who was the writer? I don't know. That, that mention how long did Simonson write it? Because that still might be part of Simonson's run. Simonson took over at three thirty-seven with the writing and art. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And he wrote that for about. I think it's amazing how when Enos is around, I don't even have to look anything up. Uh, I know, man's like a. You know, I'm just going to start calling Enos when I can't remember something. Go, hey man. <laughs> Who wrote this one? Enos, back in 1973, there was a comic that featured this guy, and he did stuff. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> now, the sad thing is, he'll pull six titles out. So, so it could have been this one. And then you'll be like, well, that didn't help. Now I'm even more lost. <laughs> All right. So one that I have, and I think I saw this on your list, too bad, so sad, I'm taking it. Um, Christopher Priest. Um, and he was actually, I think he wasn't even originally working as Christopher Peace. Wasn't he going under the name? Like, Jim Owsley. Jim, Jim Owsley, yeah, exactly. Um, but he's actually had a really good run as well. Um, did you know, and this this is the part that I just really love, he was writing his own superhero and science fiction stories when he was 10. Oh, nice. I, I remember doing that when I was a kid, sitting there yep. with a piece of paper and pencil, watching TV, and all night long drawing my own comic books, you know. Um, of course, they were all like front and back one page, and it was, you know, was, that, that's one story because I didn't have the attention span or the uh, stamina to go all night like some of these guys. Whoa, wow, phrasing. So, <laughs> Rick Flair does. <laughs> but actually, so yeah, he starts at 10 years old doing his own stuff. But in 1978, he gets hired to work at Marvel with guys like Stan Lee and John Romita and, and Dave Carcrum and, and Roger Stern. So he gets hired and immediately is, is working with some of the greats right then and there. Can you imagine you're growing up reading comic books and you get hired and immediately you're like you're introduced to these guys that you've grown up admiring their work? Man, talk That'd about be, a dream job. Yeah, yeah. 
So, I mean, yeah, exactly. Talk about being happy to go to work every day. Absolutely. Well, you wouldn't be going to work because remember what they say, if you have a job you love, you never work a day in your life. Then you know this. And then in 84, he was already promoted to the editor, so he became the first African-American uh, mainstream comics to be put in charge, you know, of, of a couple of books. And then he did the Falcon Limited series, which was actually a really good book. Right. Um, sadly, it, it undersold, because I remember reading it, and I was one of the few people reading it going, you, you got to be reading this Falcon yeah. series. Um, but then he also did stuff like Power Man and Iron Fist. Remember, that, that was such yes. a great, Heroes for Hire. What a great book that was. Uh, and then Conan the Barbarian and the Spider-Man versus Wolverine. So did a lot of work. Um, but then he also, I guess, signed some type of deal that so he could work from home. Uh, now, sadly, he also um, was doing some work for Valiant years down the road, which ended badly because of some type of issues with um, Solar, Men of the Atom. But that's when um, he got the call from Fabian uh, Nizia for Nizia. New Valiant. Nizia. Nizia. But I've also forgot... Uh, he was with Dwayne McDuffie and Michael Douglas when they set up Milestone. Yep. So, yeah, big, big talent there. Doesn't get anywhere near the amount of props Mm-mm. that he should be. Um, like, I didn't realize that... And um, is responsible for what, along with Reginald Hudlin, for what we know as the Black Panther now. Right, exactly. And I got that here, that um, he did, uh, the, like, the third volume of Black Panther, which is a lot of people think is probably the best one ever on that character. Um, didn't know that he also, for a while, was writing Quantum and Woody over yep. at Valiant, which was another great book. Along with another unsung African-American artist, Mark M.D. Bright, who cut his teeth on Green Lantern and Iron Man. Right. So, Christopher Priest is one that I, I have to admit that um, I didn't know his name very well. I mean, I knew his name. I knew what he had done. But when I actually looked at his work, I was like... Damn, I've read that. Damn, I've read that. <laughs> and I remember this, so yeah, that's another one. I, I love when we have these type of shows because then I discover people that I knew they were out there the whole time. I just didn't know that was them. Right. You know what I'm saying? Who you got, Enos? This is from a man, Lou Burner, who was on the chat line a few moments ago. One of my co-workers who I who's um, watches our show. Uh, Thank you, Lou. Another one that, or there was, as we all know, the Black Panther was the first. But another one of the more prominent um, African-American superheroes was Luke Cage, Hero for Hire. Sweet Christmas. And, uh, exactly. (laughs) And the artist on that book was Billy Graham. His artwork was unlike anything you'd ever seen and it was like, and, and like his storytelling, folks, let me tell you something. A lot of people don't understand this. And I guess um, Randy and I and Madman, and I don't know if you write or not, Tommy, but being writers, one of the things that makes, that, that drives a comic book is the storytelling. If you get an artist who can go further than what your plot says and can make a great um, story, you've got a winner. And Billy Graham did just that. The the facial expressions, well, I had one Power Man comic where he was going up against this vampire. The guy bit him on the neck, and you see his eyes bulge. He goes, Christmas! Like... <laughs> <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and it's like, you know, it didn't, as you know, it didn't hurt him. But, you know, it was just like it took him by surprise that, you know, he's been fighting him all this time. And the vampire was still stupid enough to try to bite him. Right. And, um, but 
he was another one that was truly unsung and was the reason why Luke Cage sold the way he did and why he is still to this day one of the po most popular um, black char African American characters in comics. Sadly, we lost him to a heart attack in 1999, but um, his legacy has been solidified and with the um, Luke Cage TV series on Netflix starring Mike Coulter, that solidified his legacy. You know, I almost didn't watch that. I, I w I'm glad I did because it was fantastic. Yes. But I almost didn't watch that because they said that um, Terry Crews was originally up for the role of Luke Cage. Right. And I'm a huge Terry Crews Oh, man, fan. Terry Crews and is the he bomb. he would have been incredible in that role. I, could, I wouldn't have been able to stop laughing at him, and, though, because Terry Crews is funny and as there, I don't And there was what, a part of me that's like, you know, if Terry Crews is not going to be Luke Cage, I can't watch this. But, right. <laughs> but Terry, Terry Crews, I mean, I'm sorry to say, he's probably too busy. Yeah. yeah. He's probably he, too busy for yeah. that work. And um, my wife talked me into it. I was uh -huh. like, okay, well, I guess I'll watch it. And then I enjoyed it. What, so sold, I did. what sold me was the trailer where he walks in and they're shooting at him. And and you're hearing shimmy shimmy y'all by ODB playing. Oh baby, I like it raw. Yeah, baby, I like it raw. And, <laughs> and he's just walking, bullets bouncing, and everything. But uh, Mr. Graham, thank you so much for the wonderful uh, laid, uh, wonderful um, work that you gave us. And uh, we need to. Um, I don't know if it's collected or not, but it needs to be. And like a trade paperback, hardcover, or something of that sort. Well, if not, it's probably a Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's on Marvel Unlimited. I'd have to look. I don't have my tablet with me, so I can't right now. But, I mean, I'm sure it's on there. Find out if they put all those Hulk issues back, too. Yeah, yeah. I need to do that. You know, they've been upsetting me lately because they've been they've been posting mostly newer stuff, which, okay, I get. But they're uploading, like, facsimile editions. Why are you uploading reprints? You already have the original on here. Don't upload the reprint, too. <laughs> that is a waste. All right. Who else you got? Uh, I have Ron Wilson. Yes, uh, absolutely. American, uh, American comics artist for, known for the character The Thing. Um, Marvel 2-in-1 and The Thing. <laughs> Spent 11 years chronicling his ventures through different comic titles. Um, worked, on, worked on Marvel 2-in-1 from 75 to 78 and again from 80 to 83. Uh, while additionally working on other titles, Black Panther, Power Man, uh, The Hulk, which is listed as Rampaging Hulk, and Captain Britain. Um, in the Love 80s, that guy. Yeah. After, in the 80s, after the cancellation of Marvel 2 and 1 with uh, writer John Byrne, he worked on The Thing from 83 to 86. Um, he did the uh, entire run of, Marvel's, of the Marvel's Masters of the Universe comic, which is one I'd like to get as a fan of it, you know, being, being a fan that was of He-Man. That was good stuff. I do, I do like me some He-Man. Mm. I have the power. But probably one of the things that I, I like, uh, found most intriguing, and I'm using this as a, a way to get it in here, he did the WCW World Championship Wrestling fired. comic for Every Marvel. Every single week. And yeah. it is comic book related. It is comic book related because it was the WCW comic. Oh, for uh, God's sake. So he drew Sting, baby. Sting. All right, so I have a question. Uh -huh. in, in all seriousness, could you... Host a wrestling podcast. I would need a co-host, but yeah, I, I, I wasn't stepping up. I'm asking. <laughs> could I? Yeah. I mean, we it, actually have a wrestling podcast. It would depend here, on so. what we were talking about. If we were talking about 
old school? Old school? Yes, yes, I could. Could I talk about the current product? No. no uh, I know nothing about could, the current product. I could do the old school, but the current stuff, I do not even watch it now because I, it just... I could talk about 80s Jim Crockett promotions... 80s to 90s WWF. We can talk about when 90s WCW. I can talk about that all, right, all so not, day. So long. you're not be doing a, a wrestling podcast. Good to know. Okay. Right. I, see, I was trying to get you another gig, and you ruined but, it. But the current stuff, <laughs> I couldn't tell you what's going on in, in current stuff to save my life, other all than right. NWA. I know what's going on in the NWA. Right. So one of the ones I have on here, I actually met this guy at DragonCon um, many years ago, uh, Brian Stelfries. Is yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, uh, primarily a cover artist, but man, what great covers! Man. Uh, uh, Shadow of the Bat is one that I think uh, he's most known for. Um, I would have really have loved to have seen some of his stuff interior art. Um, primarily, he was doing covers, but if you haven't seen his covers, they're beautiful. He had a really great, how do I say it, darkness to the character without being what's going on. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh, but he also did um, Domino for Marvel Comics. I think, uh, I don't know how recent that was, too. Um, 12 Gauge Comics, he's an art director there as well. Um, so another uh, guy, extremely talented, underrated. People just don't know he's out there. And then you see his work, you're thinking, man, who is this? Uh, so, yeah, I don't have a lot on Brian, unfortunately. I think he's very low-key. I don't think he's putting a lot of work out there. Um, That's a shame, because I really like that uh, Stray Cat Strut song. No, that's that, God. That's uh. Now I can't even remember the guy's last name. I can't. Even. Ryan Setzer. Ryan Setzer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Enos, you got somebody? I do. I do. Um, matter of fact, we're going to go in a little bit more depth with this guy in about a week. Back in nineteen, back in the nineties, we saw the um, Doomsday, the Death. And Return of Superman. We saw the Knights, Knights Fall with Batman. And right on the heels of that, there Twilight was a major storyline. <clears throat> major storyline with uh, Green Lantern called Emerald Twilight. Where uh, apparently Green, um, Hal Jordan went bad, became the, um, killed everybody on ore and absorbed the big battery and became power, Parallax. A new character named Kyle Rayner was created by um, Ron Mars with art by Daryl Banks. This was one of the best runs. It was a fresh take on Green Lantern. A lot of the stuff, um, they did a lot of John Byrne-esque kind of stuff with it. Well, you know, like, you know, they cut away the fact that he had a weakness to yellow. That um, he was strictly, he wasn't someone that was part of the Green Lantern Corps, and you saw him come into his own as a hero. And he and you saw him from the ground up being, um, you know, evolving into the character. And Daryl Banks' artwork fueled that, and f there was a Mr. Um, he did a one-shot of Green Lantern and Silver Surfer. With where Kyle Rayner met the Silver Surfer. That was him. That was him that did that, and that was the. There is a spread in that book, a splash, a two-page splash that he did, where um, it's like Green Lantern and um, 
Silver and Norn are going toward each other like they go about to knuckle up big time. It is the most beautiful piece of art so, I've ever seen. So you said he was uh, working on the Kyle Rayner run. Did, did he draw the famous scene with the girlfriend stuffed in the refrigerator? Uh, yes. Okay, okay, we're going to have to talk to him about that. Yeah. I, I do believe he did that. <laughs> I, I remember that Mongol. And, um, no, it, it was Major Force. Major Force did that? I thought it was I, Mongol. No, Major Force shoved okay. him in the refrigerator. Yeah. I, I, think, I do believe uh, Daryl um, Banks did the artwork on that. And um, is it okay to announce that? Announcing. As long as you can actually confirm you got him. Um, well, I did. Um, he said this um, next week will be good and be better for him. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, Daryl Banks will be joining us here on Lost in the Long Box. We're going to be doing a career retrospective with him. And uh, hopefully we'll have a little something to uh, give away as well. But um, I was able to, uh, we, he was supposed to be with us. Uh, we were trying to get him tonight. But he wasn't able to because he's got a con and other obligations. But next week, he said it'll be good. So hope, so next week, if everything lines up right, we will have him as a guest on Lost in the Long Box. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. Looking forward yeah, to it. Awesome. So, yeah, I've, I'm going to go to um, Gateway Comics this week and mm -hmm. see about maybe getting uh, the, the uh, Emerald Dawn uh, trade paperback. Uh -huh. uh, and maybe go to our friends over at um, Flashback as well. Um, so if we can line up one of those, then maybe we can see about somehow getting Daryl to sign it and ship it out to one of our listeners. So, okay. Awesome. Uh, I don't have any more guys. Tom, you got anybody? I, I do not, no. I have a, I have a couple. Take us I'll home, get, Renus. Yep, I've got, take us home. I've got, um, when we were talking about Milestone, we have Dennis Cowan, whose long resume includes Detective Comics number 600, uh, Power Man and Iron Fist, and um, i I believe he did the art on, um, was it Icon? No, that was Mark Bright. I, um, I can't remember who he did the artwork on for the, um, for Milestone, but he was one of the head, big creators for it. Now, um, I also had, and I want to mention, uh, I talked about him last week, Dexter Vines, continued recovery to you, buddy. And uh, your diagnosis with cancer. I hope you get back on your feet because I did have the pleasure of meeting him at um, GalaxyCon last year. Not a very nice guy. And being that this week is the 84th anniversary of the creation of the first appearance of The Ghost Who Walks the Phantom, Keith Williams is an unsung African-American artist because he does the inks on the comic strip um, over Graham Nolan's art. Graham Nolan's art and he also has done some work with Jim Lee, I believe, on Batman as well. Um, Jamal Eigle, um, we've talked the late great Stephen Hughes, who's the co-creator of Lady Death. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We have um, Tanahisi Coates, who is a celebrated African American author who is who is killing it on Captain America right now with the Legend of Steve storyline. As I mentioned earlier, with the Hudlins, um, original Hudlin, who revolutionized and gave a solid legacy to Black Panther. Um, I said Jamal Igo. We've got um, Dougie Braithwaite, who was the artist on Earth X with the inks by Alex Ross, who also teamed up with Alex Ross again on the Justice miniseries with the uh, Super with uh, the Justice League on against the Legion book. of Doom. And um, there's been a plethora of other characters, but the last one I want to talk about is someone who has inspired me, and that is the late great. Late great Dwayne McDuffie. Yes, absolutely. someone who was taken from us too soon, 
And if you want to, other than Milestone, if you want to really get a solid body of his work, look no further than the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited Animated Series. Such a huge influence on that. Yes. yes. And the Justice League Doom um, animated animated uh, DVD and the um, and the um, the Justice League uh, Crisis on Two Earths animated DVD where um, the Justice League goes up against the Crime Syndicate. That is such a great, great movie. I, I love that one. Plus, because the Crime Syndicate in that one is such a, a divergent story of how we know them from the comics. Right. Um, but yeah, so I kind of got to go back and rewatch those. We need to do a show uh, on those on those shows. Um, so anyway, uh, just want to remind everybody, Madman does have his um, other podcast here, Shock Monkey Radio, every Tuesday night from 6 to 7 p.m., so make sure you give him some love, listen to him. Um, reach out to us, please, on facebook.com slash lost in a long box. We also do have our Gmail, obviously lost in a long box at gmail.com. Uh, we have a Patreon account, love if you would um, send us some uh, money, show us a little love. We do have some tiers on that for if you donate. I'm going to change the pricing on that, too, because a couple of them are a little high. Um, so I'm going to bring some of the pricing down but keep the rewards the same so look for that revamp next week I'll tell you what the actual tiers are we also do have our associated Facebook groups that are tied right to Lost in a Long Box um, Enos is the administrator on those they're growing nice and strong we got Batman Yesterday, Today and Forever we got the realm of superheroes comics and pop culture and gather together the greatest superhero teams um, so stop by say hi on those um, thank you very much for listening guys we will see you next week Good night, Have everyone. Good night, everyone.